Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. Our hope is that these episodes will help you to experience and celebrate more of God's goodness in your own life. If you'd like to find out more about Celebration, visit our website at happychurch.ca. Well, good morning, church. We are in week two of Unanswered Prayer. If you missed last week, go back and check it out. I shared a little bit about my family's story or experience with Unanswered Prayer. We went through the three reasons why we need to study or at least think and discuss and talk about a topic like this. And we went over four ways that we can cope with grief. But today is very practical. We're going to look at the 15 reasons, or at least 15 reasons we can think of why prayers go unanswered. Now, I should say that this is taken or adapted primarily from a number of resources, but a really good resource by the name of God on Mute by a pastor, uh, Pete Gregg. He is also the founder of the 24-7 Prayer Movement. I really recommend you check that book out. It is a primary resource for this series, but it also is one of the best books ever written on unanswered prayer. But this week, 15 reasons why our prayers go unanswered. Let's begin. Well, imagine this scenario with me for a moment. It's late at night. You have a long drive ahead of you. And the only thing on your mind is getting home to a warm bed. Well, you get in your car, you turn the key, and immediately begin to drive without putting much thought into, well, driving, or what you're doing. As you drive through the blackness of night, the only thing you see for kilometer after kilometer is highway and trees and open fields, and occasionally a car passing you by. Civilization doesn't really seem to exist where you are. I mean, this is the very image or definition of absolutely nowhere. Well, the drive is tedious, you're tired, and you're frustrated. And you think to yourself, how could this get worse? And as if it was waiting, just for you to think that thought, a blinking light appears on the dashboard. The low fuel light has turned on. See, in your rush to get home, you had completely forgotten to check how much gas you had in the tank. And with the neon orange hand now directly over the E, you begin to pray, God, get me home. Don't let me break down here. Here's my question. What are you actually praying for in this scenario? What are you actually hoping God will do? Now, is the idea that God will supernaturally make a fully operated gas station fall down from the heavens? Do we expect God to propel our car all the way home on nothing but fumes? Or is it possible that if the car breaking down in the middle of nowhere happens, it's not because God didn't listen to our prayers, but because we made a stupid mistake and didn't check the tank before we started driving? From my own experience, I remember being in university. Uh, praying that God would help me pass my classes. Even though I wouldn't start studying until a couple hours before the exam. 
I'd begin final culminating essays at like one or two in the morning. My eyes were like bloodshot as I pushed back coffee after coffee, praying that I could make it through the night and conjure up some sort of coherent thought. What was I expecting God to do? When I prayed, God help me pass this, help me pass this course. What am I expecting God to do? My passing or my failing was entirely my responsibility. See, I can ask God to help me pass my exams, but if I fail it, it's not because God said no to me. Instead, it's because I didn't study. Here is reason one for unanswered prayer. And this might ruffle a few feathers, but reason number one is this. Some prayers aren't answered because they are just plain stupid. Put it another way, a nicer way. Some prayers aren't answered because they lack common sense. And I say that lovingly, okay? And I personally believe that no prayer is a bad prayer. Our working definition of prayer at this church is this. Prayer is simply living life in conversation with God. I mean, if I can stop in the middle of my day to talk to God, about anything. I believe this is leading me in the direction of deeper intimacy with God. But, but, just as I can say stupid things or ask stupid questions of my wife, all you have to do is ask my wife. She will confess all the stupid things that I say. It's only logical that I can say stupid things or ask stupid things of God. The fact is that some prayers are simply not answered because they lack common sense. C.S. Lewis, he had this beautiful book called The Problem of Pain. It's another resource we're using for this series. He said this, you may attribute miracles to him, but not nonsense. Well, we started off with a fun one. Let's do another. Imagine this next scenario with me for a moment. Okay, a bride wakes up on her wedding day eager for the day to come. In fact, this is the day she has dreamed about since she was a little girl. A countryside wedding in the middle of summer. However, each day this week, her family and her friends have tried to prepare her for the possibility of rain. What could be worse for an outdoor wedding? The payments for all the vendors are in. The space has been booked. The people have been invited. Rescheduling this is not an option. So all she can do now is pray to God for a sunny day. Well, meanwhile, just down the road, a neighboring farmer looks at his crops and prays for rain in the middle of a drought. Whose prayer is answered? Often, to say yes to one prayer, God also has to say no to another. So reason number two for unanswered prayer is this. Some prayers aren't answered because they contradict other prayers. Well, does this mean we stop praying altogether? Absolutely not. And we'll get back to that at the end of this morning. See, we should pray for these things anyways, because it is a privilege just to be heard by God. Whether our prayers contradict other prayers, whether we pray dumb things. 
it is still a privilege to be heard by our loving Father. In fact, sometimes God will surprise us by answering those prayers. But praying for the tiny things in our lives opens our eyes to the multitude of God's daily blessings. See, it will help us live from a position of gratitude. And I would rather pray about everything than nothing at all. That being said, we can't assume miracles will always be the answer. Reason number three for unanswered prayer is this. Some prayers aren't answered because they would be detrimental to the world and the lives of others. Miracles by definition, well, they must be rare. In fact, they're rarer than we often would like them to be. C.S. Lewis once wrote this in that same book, The Problem of Prayer. He said that God can and does on occasion modify the behavior of matter and produce what we call miracles as part of the Christian faith. But the very conception of a common and therefore stable world demands that these occasions should be extremely rare. It's important to remember this, that when God built the world, he built into the universe laws and principles to make things work and work very well. Often intentionally or unintentionally, our prayers intend to override those laws and principles. If hypothetically, okay, hypothetically, I was free falling in an airplane and I asked God to save me. What I'm actually asking for God to do is suspend gravity. That in itself would create all sorts of problems and issues for everyone on the ground. Another example, if God were to calm every single storm, the balance of creation would be thrown off with devastating implications. The tropics would become significantly hotter. Desertification would occur around the world gradually. The Arctic would become colder. Lightning would become trapped in clouds, halting all sorts of air travel across the world and so on. As hard as it might be to accept, God may say no to our prayers for the sake of the majority. That does not mean that throughout the 8 billion lives, human beings here on earth, that God does not unleash his power, changing weather, healing the sick, or intervening in, in miraculous and nature or law-bending ways. But by definition, these things are rare. Reason number four, some prayers aren't answered because life is tough. Now we complain about living in one of the easiest times and places to live in human history. In Canada in 1960, our life expectancy was 71.13 years. Well, since then, it's grown to 82.05, meaning this, we're living on average an extra 10.9 years. That in itself is a big jump. But when you compare it to Canada in 1800, or the region that would eventually be known as Canada, and see that the life expectancy was just below 40, you get an idea of how easy we have it.
Also, let's take an honest survey for a second. Just answer this in your own mind right now. How many of us watching right now have a smartphone with a plan for calling or text? How many of us have ordered something online within the past month and had it shipped right to our home or our living space? How many of us have watched Netflix, Disney Plus, or Crave within the last 24 hours? In spite of all the technological advances and our increasing life expectancy, we are an incredibly and increasingly fragile generation of people. We feel entitled to things. We break down easily. We take offense to everything. Our generation needs to be reminded that life can be tough. We get sick. We struggle financially. Relationships end. That is life. Jesus said this once, John 16, 33, you will have trouble. Thanks, Jesus. We feel entitled, though, to an easy life. But Jesus never promises us that. But what happens when we experience trouble? What happens? We feel betrayed by God. Why me? My question would be, why not you? As a Christian, you are not immune. We have the tools. We have the knowledge. We have the Holy Spirit. And our growing relationship with Jesus to face trouble in healthy ways if we are intentional about it, but we are not immune. Jesus promises you will have trouble. Since the end of the Cold War, we have seen unprecedented levels of prolonged peace here in the West. But this period of peace and prosperity has left us emotionally and psychologically fragile. And this is not to pick on anyone. I'm struggling with this in my own life. It's, let's be honest this morning. I'm struggling with this. I'm asking God for healing in this particular area because it is a weak point in my discipleship to Jesus. I'm very entitled a lot of the time and I need healing. And in the future, my plan is to lead us in kind of exploring the impact of our emotions on our dis discipleship to Jesus because I think it is a significant thing that we overlook, that I've overlooked, but I'm not ready to teach on that yet if, if I'm being honest with you. But I'm praying and I'm working through it myself right now. Question though that I've found extremely helpful and I hope will be helpful to you and I've been asking myself lately is this, when I'm feeling entitled, I ask myself this, how do I respond to minor inconveniences? Ask yourself that. I found it very revealing. Jesus promises us trouble. Some prayers aren't answered because life is tough. All right, reason number five. Some prayers aren't answered the way we think they should be because our expectations of God are misguided. Now, if I enter a shop and I buy a bag of potatoes and the cashier says to me, oh, we don't have potatoes, I'd be justified in replying this. I'd say, why don't you have potatoes? Or when do you think you'll have potatoes back in stock? However, 
This would only work if I was in a grocery store and not if I've walked into my local Old Navy. Some prayers aren't answered the way we think they should be because we misunderstand what God expects of us. We're asking the wrong questions and assuming the wrong things. Romans 8, 17 says this, We share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. Here's where we as a church need to be more honest to one another, first of all, but also to the person making the decision to follow Jesus in the first place. When you make the choice to follow Jesus, it does not come with some disclaimer that informs us that all our problems will go away and our life will become a straight and linear line to success. See, as Jesus taught in John 16, we can expect the opposite of that. And yet we try and we patch people. Patch people up with comforting words and comments about how God moves in mysterious ways. Well, no. Jesus promised us there would be trouble. Don't let unanswered prayer shatter you because we expect all our prayers to be answered and our life to be comfortable. I love the Old Testament. It is full of wonderful stories of people and their faith. Uh, And in this one story, there's three men by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're in the face of persecution for their faith, and they are about to be literally incinerated in a furnace. This is their response. This is in Daniel 3, 16 to 18. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. Here's the key. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Wow. We see two sides of a coin here. We see them have faith in God providing a miracle. And we see a faith of a deeper kind that acknowledges that some prayers go unanswered and sometimes we are still plunged into the fiery furnace of suffering and yet they still trust God. Ask yourself, is this Is it possible for us to have that kind of faith? In my opinion, yes. Yes. But it takes time to get there. We need to see the full picture instead of being just so short-sighted. Our hope rests in Jesus and our relationship that we're building with him that lasts long past the type of world we currently occupy. It takes time to build that relationship. And that is why being a follower of Jesus, I often call it a journey because that's exactly it. And it takes time to build that faith. Reason six, some prayers are not answered because God has something better for us. God is much bigger than our finite understanding. He creates and maintains a universe while simultaneously, get this, knowing the smallest details of any one life in a world occupied by over 8 billion human beings. God tracks each choice we make 
and knows every square inch of our lives. And we think we're multitaskers. It makes sense then that we don't understand everything God does or does not do. In God on Mute, P. Gregg said this. He said, how tragic would it be if our destiny were limited to the projections of human logic and the meager possibilities created by our own temporal imaginations? What could possibly be worse than the prospect of every prayer being answered so that God became little more than the name for our personal power source. There are so many girls I dated in high school that I'm happy and I'm positive God helped me prevent from marrying because they weren't right for me and they did not match the vision he had for my life. But we're also talking about bigger issues too. What about cancer, anxiety, accidents, financial strife, and so on? Well, unfortunately, even with a series like this, we can't determine each and every reason why our prayers go unanswered. But sometimes it's for the best and we just don't know it. P.T. Forsyth, a Scottish theologian, he once said this, We shall come one day to heaven where we shall gratefully know that God's great refusals were sometimes the true answers to our truest prayers. How good is that? Reason seven, some prayers are not answered because they are selfishly motivated. Some of us are so focused on how we pray and when we pray that we never stop to question why we pray. Yet selfishness is common to the human condition. At one point, even the most spiritually sound person that you will meet has probably prayed something motivated by self-interest. I know I have many times in my life, if I am honest. It's ingrained in us because of the fallen state of our world and the bending of our hearts. Even when we are forgiven of our sin, we still live in a sin-sick world. Our self-interest, conscious or unconscious, can get in the way. The Apostle James, he said this in James 4, he said, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. See, nowhere in the Bible does it say Jesus promised us he would answer every prayer unconditionally. Instead, we're promised if we ask according to his will, God hears us and responds accordingly. P. Greg argued this, as we get to know God, that's when we discover what he likes, what he dreams, and what his will is. This is powerful or a powerful discovery because it unlocks our ability to pray in his name, not just about big issues, but also about the subtle dilemmas of daily life. Jesus promised us this in John 16 again, very truly I tell you my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Such prayers are guaranteed to work and will someday be answered. We just need to work towards harmonizing with God's will and his plan for our lives and the world around us. And that takes time to understand. If you're still figuring out even just the basics of what his will for you and the world around you is, my encouragement is this. 
even though I said earlier that some prayers can be stupid, <laughs> and they can be, just pray for everything. See, I would rather pray for everything than nothing at all because it's moving me into deeper relationship with him. Reason number eight, some prayers aren't answered because God himself is a greater answer than the things we're asking for. God will sometimes say no because he uses our sense of need to draw us closer to him. It is often pain and frustration that propel us towards pursuing deeper life in God. We're allowed to go through tough times because God is helping carve additional space in our hearts for our relationship with him. His aim is and always, always will be intimate relationship between us and him, creator and his creatures. As P.T. Forsyth said, the outer need kindles the inner. And we find that the complete answer to prayer is the answerer. When we begin to acknowledge our need for him more than our need for answers, we change. We begin to want what he wants for us. And we begin to harmonize with his will for us and the world. And that is hard. It's hard, I understand. In the time Carolyn and I were struggling through our season of unanswered prayer with our miscarriages uh, and the pressure that it put on our marriage, I wanted answers. However, in hindsight, I see that God was drawing me closer to him. Yeah, I went through a period of silence where I didn't, I didn't feel God's presence, but I, but I truly believe he was drawing me closer to to him in that season and that I came out a better person, a stronger believer with more faith after that. Was he heartbroken about our pain? Yes. Was he using that pain to create something beautiful out of disappointment? Yes. Do I still have questions about that season of life? Yes. Am I sure that God and I have a deeper relationship because of it? Absolutely. My assumption is that there was more than one reason for that particular season of pain in my life with, uh, with my family. Uh, but I'm positive that he was using our sense of, of need to draw us closer to him in the long term. Reason nine, some prayers aren't answered because God will not force a person to do something he or she does not want to do. We can't pray and make someone do something he or she does not want to do. That's the bottom line. The quote I used last week at the beginning of our series from John Mark Comer, he's the founder of the nonprofit organization Practicing the Way. He said this, to clarify, it's not that God's will is weak. No, 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 no. On an even playing field with all the other wills, as if we, God, and Satan are all equal players in a game for the world. It's that in the universe God has chosen to actualize, love is the highest value. Love demands a choice. And choice demands freedom. So God has chosen, he's chosen to limit his overwhelming capacity to override any will stacked against him in order to create space for real 
genuine freedom for his creatures, human and non-human. Unfortunately, as, as much as you and I might pray for a family member or a co-worker or a close friend or a group of people to acknowledge and accept Jesus, I'm just picking on this particular example for a minute, to, to, to pray for them to accept Jesus as their king. The decision that they will or will not make rests squarely on them. Now, I'm not saying that prayer does not help when we work to evangelize and share the good news of Jesus. However, Jesus still lets that final decision rest on a person's shoulders, the person we're praying for. We can set faith targets. We can, but in the universe that God has actualized, free will allows each independent person to make their own independent choices. God could, by definition, he could enforce his agenda on any person. Yet, he does not out of love for his creatures. He loves us. This applies to anything else. We cannot pray for God to change, change people's minds and expect it to happen without question. He will soften hearts. Yes, he will. And he will make his presence known to someone, but he will not enforce his will on their decisions. P. Gregg said this, he is the Lord of Lords, but his kingdom is not a dictatorship. Instead, he prays, he beguiles, he loves, he listens, he lays himself down. It is Satan who manipulates, dominates, and rapes. God's nature is to entice our hearts with gentleness and infinite subtlety, dignifying our lives with continual choice. And that brings us to reason 10. Reason 10, some of our prayers aren't answered yet because they are working gradually. When I hit a hammer with a nail, <laughs> the nail has very little choice whether it moves or does not move. There's a mechanical power involved, which is almost absolute. We expect our prayers to work this way. Press the right button in the right way and in the right context, and poof, our prayers are answered. But God does not work mechanically. No, he works relationally with us and through us. Our definition of, uh, of power is to get something done efficiently and as soon as possible. Yet God's power is about influence rather than control. This is why it's so important to pray. Don't pray for a person or a group of people and always expect something to happen as if by mechanical power or force. In fact, this will very rarely happen. Instead, pray with perseverance. God works through people over time through relational influence in the context of their lives. For some of us, that means praying for someone over your lifetime. Are you ready to bring that same person before God each and every single day? God might be doing something behind the scenes that you can't see, working relationally within them. Don't just give up when you don't receive the immediate results you want. Instead, 
Keep praying for that person over and over and over again. Have perseverance. Now, reason 11. Some prayers aren't answered because they are being directly contested by satanic opposition. Spend enough time around a church and you're going to hear this cliche. You ready for it? God answers prayers one of three ways. Yes, no, or not yet. And every time I hear it, I cringe. (laughs) In a secular society, we neglect to talk about the reality of spiritual warfare. And yet it's all over the library of scripture. Sometimes unanswered prayer has nothing to do with God or human beings. It's not because God answered your prayer with a yes, no, or not yet. I believe that sometimes God answers with a yes and something else stands in the way. Because there are many wills at play in the universe. Many of them spiritual forces of evil. In the words of the New Testament writers. Ephesians 6, 11 to 12 says this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, in a secularized church, within a secularized society, we've lost sight of Satan. Yes, evil is personified, I believe. I believe that there are malevolent beings at work in the universe because the Bible tells me that the library of scripture shows me that. And the problem is that when we lose sight of Satan in our worldview, who becomes Satan? Other people. People become Satan because we need other people to vent our anger and our frustrations towards the injustice in the world. See, I believe that we need to get back to our biblical worldview. Please don't get me wrong. Don't go around screaming at demons at the grocery store immediately after this. Instead, in the words of Paul, just stand. Take a stand. Don't go picking fights with spiritual forces at work in the universe. Stand your ground. What does Jesus do when he goes face to face with the devil? He prays quotes the Bible, and says no. Devil comes back. What does he do? Prays, quotes the Bible, says no. Devil comes back a third time. What does he do? He prays, he quotes the Bible, and he says no. Stand your ground. Reason 12, some prayers aren't answered because we just don't believe they will or can be. In other words, we lack faith. Faith, however, is a relational posture of trust that only comes from spending time in his presence. It's not currency that we can, you know, we can use to spend on like divine healing or success in life or provision. Many people see faith as transactional in nature though. Meaning this, it's a commodity we earn. Instead, faith in God comes from spending time with God, getting to know his faithfulness. 
as we get to know God, our faith grows. Reason number 13, some prayers aren't answered because they have not been answered yet. Again, we need to persevere. We need to have perseverance. We can't just give up. Yet in a society where everything is provided to us instantly, we are training our brains to do the exact opposite. Richard Foster once said this, he said, we pray once or twice, and when nothing seems to move, we go on to other matters. We sulk in self-pity or even give up on prayer altogether. A quick fix approach is a little like turning on a light switch, and if the light does not come on immediately, declaring, well, I didn't believe in electricity anyway. What does Jesus teach us though? Luke 11, five to eight. He says this, he said this to his disciples. Which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. He will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. But I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now, instead of impudence, some of your translations will say shameless audacity, meaning this, go for it. Jesus is saying, go for it and don't stop. Keep asking, keep knocking. Jesus is instructing us to not stop praying. And by persevering in prayer, we prove that we are willing to wait faithfully and surrender to God's will for us and the world. Reason 14, some prayers aren't answered because of areas of disobedience in our lives. Some of us have sinned we need to confess to ourselves and to God. Actions we need to take first. See, God never promises to answer the prayers of a person who is not willing to live in honest relationship with him. The psalmist said this, Psalm 66, 18, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. James, later in the New Testament, added this. He said in James 5, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There is a link between honesty and transparency with healing and increased power in prayer. I said last week that the church is often less honest than the Bible. The first step towards increased honesty and transparency within the church is increased honesty and transparency with ourselves and God. Are there areas of conscious or even unconscious disobedience to God we need to deal with? Finally, reason 15. Some prayers aren't answered because of our disregard for others in our community and the world around us. P. Gregg has this interesting theory uh, that I've just kind of started to wrap my head around for the first time. Maybe one of the reasons why we don't see as many miracles in the Western church compared to churches in third world countries around the world, the poorer countries around the globe, 
is that we are more liable to injustice. We can often be willingly blinded to it. There's this haunting line or set of lines in Isaiah. The Israelites, they were fasting and and persevering in prayer. Good things under a normal circumstance. And yet their prayers were going unanswered and they wanted to know why. Ready for God's response? He says this, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Is it not to share your food with the hungry? And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked to clothe them. Not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. After you start dealing with the injustice, then I will answer your prayers, God says. Could some of our prayers not be answered because of either our our ignorance or our just complete disregard for the needs around us? Well, there it is. 15 reasons why prayers go unanswered. Now, please don't be discouraged. And I know you could probably be discouraged on a morning where the first point is some prayers aren't answered because they're stupid. This is not about decreasing our faith though, but understanding why some things happen or don't happen the way they do. If anything, I want this to increase our faith. It's way more complex than how some people suggest God responds simply with yes, no, or not yet. And this should encourage us to pray more for the big and small things in life, reaching into every square inch of our existence. Pray, 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 and keep it up. For the small things, for the seemingly dumb things, for the mundane things, for the things that seem completely out of our control, Why pray for these things? Why pray for everything? Because we have the ear of God the Father, and we can. Because God might say yes sometime. Because people who pray for the little things are often the most grateful people in the entire world. They see everything as an answer to prayer. So if you... This is my advice to you. If you are going to err on the side of praying too much or praying too little, always pray too much. Whether the answer comes from God or not, people who live this way see everything as a gift from the Father, and that's the way I would rather live. Why? Because prayer is simply living life in conversation with our Heavenly Father, and it's always relational, and it always will be never transactional. Let's pray. Well, dear Jesus, I just pray um, for our church family this week, for anyone who is struggling with unanswered prayer in their life. Um, It is complex. 
we will not know everything on this side of eternity. And I just pray that we, we live into what prayer actually is. It's not this, this commodity, this thing that we, we can earn or gain, uh, but it is just simply living life with you. Doing the big things together, working through the small things together. And each step we take in prayer, whether we pray for stupid things, whether we pray for big things, whether we pray during a crisis, whether we pray for other people, each step we take is just deepening our relationships with you. And so God, I just pray for anyone experiencing unanswered prayer in their life right now, that at the same time you would be working in them. We know you are and that you would be drawing them closer to you and creating space for deeper intimacy. I just pray for anyone also um, who hasn't made that decision today. If something is stirring in their hearts and that they want to follow you, Jesus, that they would pray these words with me. Jesus, I recognize that I've sinned. I have sin in my life. And I realize that I want a relationship with you. And so I just draw a line in the sand right now to leave the sin behind because I recognize that you dealt with it on the cross. And I just move forward in life with you, in relationship with you. And I have hope in you because I know that not only did you die for my sins, but you rose from the grave. And that I get to spend eternity with you when I make the choice to follow you. And so I choose to follow you today for the rest of my days on this earth. And I pray that I would have deeper intimacy with you each and every day to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this episode has helped you to experience more of God's goodness. If so, and you'd like to partner with Celebration, you can do so by texting Happy Church to 77977 or visiting our website. See you next time. Live a life that celebrates God.